it's still possible to be successful even though we're going through devastating and challenging times people might think it's weird like how are you still being blessed and people are dying every single day and, well i mean i can't control i have control over the pandemic but i think god wants us to still be successful and god still wants to bless us even though we're going through difficult times between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Drew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. Hey, how you doing? Great to see you. <laughs> we do this every time. I love it. I know. Oh, man. You doing okay? Feeling good? I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, that's good. And so am I. And hopefully you, the listener, are as well. Welcome to Between the Grooves, your weekly look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. In this week's episode, we got this. We got Desiree D., yeah, a bit of jazz. Desiree, Toronto's fusion pianist. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the investment in learning. Yeah, she plays a bunch of instruments, doesn't she? She she is so, so talented. Yeah, she plays a yeah, bunch of instruments. Yeah. We're going to get to that conversation in just a bit. But before we do, let's talk about instruments. Sure. How many do you play? Can you count? Can you count on two hands? Uh, I think one, like, I can play well, one, one hand. Guitar. So I can do a, a guitar, uh, piano, drums, bass, that's four, uh, and uh, that's about it. I can play sax too, but I'm really horrible at it. Right. I can play the radio. Boom, boom. Sorry, that was just a little bit of humor there for you folks. That was free of charge. What, was it? Was it humor? <laughs> I've played a bunch of instruments in the past. I don't really play anything now. I mean, right. I, I you know, in school, I played the clarinet, bass clarinet, yes. saxophone, yes. tenor sax. Yes. I uh, played yeah. it also. I also played bass clarinet and uh, tenor sax in the church worship band at one point as well. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I was on, on those instruments regularly. Um, sure. Did a little bit of guitar way back when took piano lessons um yeah 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 what else um i think that's about it and and my voice i sang there we go i missed that one there we go five yeah, i got there's five. there's your fifth musical there instrument there. there it is there it is <laughs> yeah i i really would like to uh, the, the key with an instrument is you get to invest the time in it right and You're so exactly right. I, I know I've heard people talk about the fact that if you want to play guitar, for instance, pick up the guitar for five minutes every day, like make a point of picking it up for yes. five minutes every day. And then, and then yes. as you enjoy it, grow it more. Right. And yes, that's right. To me, I just haven't made that decision. Uh, I've got the discipline. I just haven't made the decision to pick up that instrument and spend the five minutes because I have other priorities. Right. Uh, not that, you know, it's not important. Sure, it's important, but maybe it'll be one of these things that, you know, as I semi-retire one you know years down the road that'll be you know an instrument i pick up whether it be the guitar or the keyboards again or whatever so yeah 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 i'm i'm enjoying the process of as my kids begin sort of learn new instruments oh yeah i get to re i get to revisit that so like my kids are now into drums and guitar and i'm like hmm good i get to sort of jam along with them do you teach do you teach them 
A little bit, yeah. a little bit. I'm trying to not be, you know, like my mom was very kind of like, you will learn the piano now, kind right. of a kind of a mom. And I'm thankful for that. I'm trying to sort of be halfway between allowing them to discover and find their own joy in the instrument, but also be a resource if they want to learn. I'm like, yeah, I can teach you yeah. everything you want to know, and which has worked out so far for them because now they love it like they own it and they try yeah. and they want to get better at it so, it's it's yeah, work cool. it's work to get into an instrument but if it evolves into enjoyment that's the thing that's the thing that's that's the most important yes. thing otherwise yes. it'll be an instrument that you pick up and you do for a little bit and then you put it down because it's exactly. no further interest to you which is fine right. too if if yeah, you've got other right. stuff yeah. that's you know you're being productive with that's great you know but yeah. i think it for anybody to have some kind of musical instruction whether it be in school or outside of school i think all that is good i think i think that is so important for the development of any child um because then they can appreciate it more, and if they enjoy it, they can continue playing that instrument or explore other instruments. That's right. Yeah. I fully agree. So we're going to get into that a little bit with Desiree D on Between the Grooves. Let's get to that conversation now. Thanks for finding me, first of all. <laughs> well, you weren't hard, you weren't hard to find. Yeah, yeah, every, every, yeah. <laughs> every yeah. everybody seems to know who you are. So, uh, yeah, that was really right. yeah. wow, interesting. Yeah. I know, like, yeah. I've had other interviews, and people have told me that, oh, this person found you on Instagram, and I wanted to meet you, and I said, okay, sure. And I know with all the algorithms and all that stuff, it's hard to see people's pages. So it, I find it very um, shocking that people have a hard time finding about me. So. Right. Unless they live in Toronto, then, of course, word of mouth, you know, once they hear my name, they're like, oh, I know who that is. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I'm, uh, who's Drew, I'm, right? Who's Drew? No one knows me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, I, I'm, I'm actually scrolling through. I'm sorry, not even scrolling. Snooping, I should say. I'm snooping. I'm stalking your, your Instagram. And we have quite a few uh, mutual friends, which it's it, but random mutual friends like Winnipeg people. Like Oshawa, like Whitby people, like this is so random. And I'm curious, like, what is your story? How did you jump into the scene? And like, how, like, yeah, tell us about your journey and, and your your beginnings of uh, of music. Okay, so um, pretty sure, like every other person out there. I was forced into music at a young uh, age. <laughs> or let me, let me be <laughs> let me be let me be specific. If okay. you live in a Caribbean household, yes, and somebody in that family plays music, that's just what's going to happen to everybody else in the family. Everybody okay, plays they want music. You to play that's music, right. Yeah, everybody plays music. <laughs> Um, in my family, my dad is a musician, so he plays bass, he plays guitar, he sings. He used to sing with a group called the Soul, what's it called, the Soul Searchers or something like that back in the day um, when he was younger, before he got married and everything. Uh, so he's always been involved in music, and I have a younger brother, and between the two of us, he wanted either both of us or one of us to be involved in music, and my brother wasn't interested. He's a gamer. So that's his lane. <laughs> so my dad um, was like, okay, so we're going to put you in piano lessons. And I was like, okay. I was six years old. I didn't have a choice. Uh, I got started um, at that age, and I had a private teacher that would come to my house um, and teach me 
for a couple of years and then she went off to university and my parents were like well we need to find you a new teacher so uh, they put me in the school. It's called Alexander's Music Studio. So for anybody who lives in Pickering, uh, that music school has been around for years. Um, I'm pretty sure they're still open. Um, but I started going there in 98, I want to say. And my journey of learning was very difficult because, number one, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> number two, I had probably four different teachers in that spend time that I was there. I can remember my first teacher that I had was this guy, tall guy with glasses. And I remember my first lesson with him. Uh, he gave me a piece of sheet music and he said, here you go, play it. And I sat there for the entire lesson and didn't touch the piano. And after the lesson, he told my parents, she's like, he's like, yeah, uh, she didn't play. And of course, you know, you live in a Caribbean household. You don't do anything. They send you to bed early. So I got sent to bed early. <laughs> now, now, these days, if somebody sent me to bed early, I'd love it. Like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, like, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, of course. Most definitely. Um, after that, I uh, ended up getting a new teacher, like, literally the next week because my parents were like, nope, we don't like this guy. Uh, so got to another teacher, had her for maybe a couple months. Then I got a different teacher. It was this older lady who made me cry. And mm -hmm. then I finally went and found a different teacher. Now, this teacher, the difference between her and all the other teachers was not only did she... Um, ask me about like playing the piano and wanting to make sure that I became uh, the piano player that I was supposed to be but she also asked me how my life was outside of music lessons so it wasn't just about piano 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 it was Desiree how are you how's school how's life so I saw that she was interested in something outside of piano that had something to do with me, which I really resonated with because all my other teachers didn't care to ask me what my life was about. Uh, so the fact that she took the opportunity to ask me every week, you know, how are you? How are you feeling? How's school? She cared. And that was the thing that was missing from my other teachers. They didn't care about me. They just cared to teach me, cared about making some money for that half an hour, and that was it. So because she did that, it made me want to come to piano lessons every week. It changed the way that I saw learning the piano. It wasn't just about, you know, becoming this great musician, but also somebody cared so much about what my life was like outside of music lessons. So I stayed with that teacher for 12 years and then she went on maternity leave because she decided to have kids. And at that time, I believe I was going into level 10 RCM. Um, and going into university for the first year and I continued my lessons and then I stopped um, doing classical music because I wanted to do jazz. Now, uh, of course, I grew up in the church and I was playing gospel music and learning all the different church songs and the hymns and um, I started writing my own music in high school and I wrote this song, didn't know what I was playing, didn't know what chords I was playing. And I thought to myself, I think I want to continue this music thing after high school because I really want to know what these chords are that I'm playing. So that took me to York University and I studied jazz piano when I was there. Um, I ended up uh, finishing my degree in three years um, because I'm an overachiever wow. like that. Wow. <laughs> it was a four year program and I she's finished one it in of, three years. She's one of those people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm an overachiever, and um, I just like school and I like learning. And that's crazy. That's really... crazy. That's crazy talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? Um, with my family, when it comes to vacations, we don't really vacation much until near the end of the summer. 
So I figured, okay, well, I don't want to stay home for four months and just work. Let me go to school and get some extra uh, courses in so I don't have to do much the following year. So I was in school from September until August, which is okay. I'm used to it. I had, you know, a couple months off in between. But if I could get my degree finished early, why not? Let's do it. Sure. Uh, so I was there. Um, I ended up auditioning for classical piano. And um, the person who auditioned me asked me, have you considered the jazz program? I didn't know York had a jazz program. <laughs> so I looked into it and I made the transfer um, halfway into my first year. Um, and I studied with a couple of people there, uh, Richard Whiteman and Stephen Coven, uh, were my teachers while I was there. And uh, Stephen Coven was one of the teachers that really brought me out of my perfectionism box. Um, I was a huge perfectionist. Like, I, I just, things need to be perfect for me or as I get really frustrated. And I think that's just a result of uh, learning classical music and having perfectionism driven into me mm. all those years and then myself being a perfectionist. And I remember him saying, like, just be free. This is jazz. It's not structural. Like, you can make mistakes. It's okay. And I think for me, like, I grew up in a household where, like, you couldn't make mistakes. You couldn't. You had to be, like, the example setter. Of course, I was the oldest. So I had to be the example setter. So, of course, you're in a Caribbean household and your parents are like no you can't do that you can't do that so that and then also the perfectionism of classical music and then just being a perfectionist all together and making that transition from classical to jazz was difficult for me uh, but I was determined to put in the work I put in the work I had I shed some tears lots of tears mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I really thank Stephen Coven if he's listening to this for <laughs> really pushing me to come out of that perfectionism box. Right. Not saying I, I'm not still a perfectionist, but not as much as I used to be. But the nice thing about jazz is, is knowing the fact that you can make mistakes and nobody knows that's got to exactly. be the best. That's got to be the best in the world. Like you, your family can't criticize you because they don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I felt I was so comfortable. I was like, you know what? It's okay to make a mistake. To the point where it, even in my own private studio, I tell my students all the time, it's okay. If you make a mistake, don't make a big deal about it. I've been where you've been. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. Like, you don't have to quit. Right. And I can't tell you the amount of times, like, I've wanted to quit piano. And my parents were like, no. When your parents know you have a gift, they're determined to make sure they bring it out of you. And I have That's parents right. like that. That's right. They're very determined to bring it out. And they clearly noticed it from when I was young. And they said, no, you can do this. We know you can. Yeah. Uh, you had, there's a musical gene in the family. We know you have it. So shout out to my parents for continuing to push me and to encourage me to continue music. Because if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would be where I'm at right now. Right. I think that I think a lot music. of people in the music business are probably in the same boat. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm in radio, but my family was very musical as well. My dad used to be in a, in a band um, you know, this was back in the 50s and 60s type thing. And they used to play, you know, gigs and stuff like that. And he played bass clarinet. And so it was a it was a wind instrument type band. And they did, uh, you know, um, I, I guess it was uh, you can consider it jazz like it was, you know, that era of music anyways. Sure. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But given the fact that I was in a, you know, somewhat musical family and, um, you know, all of us kids, uh, we were forced to take piano lessons. Same same deal. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we mm -hmm. didn't like it. I didn't like it. 
and I didn't last very long, but it was definitely good discipline, a good routine, uh, a great learning process because you, you learn yeah. things differently than if you were just in a classroom learning math or English. Um, and Drew, for, from your standpoint, were you in a musical family or was it just you were just trying to get the girls? <laughs> yeah, yeah, both, both, definitely both. Uh, my mom was a serious uh, piano player. I mean, she was the the like the church like musician kind of woman. So my dad was a preacher, so she was you know like she was the the one in charge of the music, and um, she made me made me play when I didn't play or I didn't want to play. I would get the beats. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but then I think in grade six, I was like, I really don't want. And I stopped. I just she was like, fine, stop. But for me, I, 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 I didn't stop because I didn't want to learn. I just really felt like guitar and drums were my main instruments. And so I still learned theory. I still learned how to do all the things. I just sort of focused more of my attention on guitar and drums. And it wasn't until high school. Again, it's all about the teacher, right? I had this incredible teacher who, who saw me. And I was just playing guitar. And I was still playing piano, just learning. But I was learning more jazz stuff and more rock stuff and more pop stuff like i want to learn all the songs on the radio and so i really trained my ear very very well between grade six and grade nine and when i got into grade nine there was this music teacher and he can see i can pick up almost any instrument and learn the part without the music let alone with the chart and i can read music and I remember I sat down on drums one day and if I made a mistake, he would throw chalk at me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because he, he, I can see it, dude, that you know how to pick this stuff up really fast. Right. So he would throw chalk right out of the Because you'd want to goof playing. off. You'd want to goof off. Right? I would. Yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. I'm always goofing off. He's like, dude, you got, like, it's in you. You got this. Stop being such a moron. Yeah, yeah. And um, and because of him, I really focused heavy on on all these instruments and got really good really fast. So by grade 10, I was playing in all the senior bands. Um, and so it was, yeah, it's all about the teacher. The teacher really, really helps. The teacher who can push mm-hmm. you and push you in the way you need. Like, I wouldn't advise any teacher to throw chalk at their students. <laughs> right? But yeah, what, did knew, you get, what did you get out of today's yeah. show? Well, you know, if you want to be a good teacher, throw, ta- yeah. you throw chalk. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But he knew that was, that was me. That was my sense of humor. Like, you know, like it's, he knew that I can laugh that off and not be like, feel like he's trying to ridicule me or abuse me. He knew I'd be like, okay, that's funny. That's funny, Mr. D. Okay. I'll stop goofing off. <laughs> so that's so key. Yeah. A good teacher is, is really... And it's such an amazing way to mentor and to develop these gifts into these kids. So good. Now, Desiree, you play a number of instruments. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I'm all credits to the piano. I tell everybody piano is like that instrument that you learn that teaches you everything. Yeah. Which makes it True. easier to branch off and learn everything else. Like I started with exactly. piano and then... I learned the trumpet for about a year. I hated it, but I ended up picking it up later on in life so that I could teach music in the school systems. Um, I learned saxophone. I play all four of them, alto, tenor, soprano, baritone, Um, clarinet, flute. I play all the brass instruments, Um, a little bit of percussion, a little bit of the drum kit, but not the full thing. That's my goal is to be able to play the full drum kit. Um, A little bit of guitar because my dad plays guitar, so he taught me a few chords here and there. Um, steel pan, uh, violin. Oh, yeah, wow. I did steel pan when I was at York. Um, they had a steel pan program there, and I did it for two years. Um, I played the alto pan. 
and I did violin because I had a string for non-majors program. So I learned violin. So a little bit of everything um, just so I could be able to teach in the school system. Right. But a few of these instruments, I will eventually, when I have time, pick them back up and kind of build on my skills. So I've never played yeah. the flute. My dad played the flute. Um, and oh, what's the other instrument you always learn in school? That's the recorder. The yes. recorder. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Isn't that fun? Mm -hmm. I used to hate that thing. It was so <laughs> they've annoying. got there's three different recorders too. They have the the little the soprano one. They have an alto recorder and they have a tenor recorder. Yeah. So you okay, play. So, so Desiree, oh. you play a lot of instruments. I do. Uh, here's the thing. Obviously, like piano is my number one because I've done it for so long. Uh, but throughout my journey, it was something that I never truly tapped into until maybe a couple years ago, um, which is, I don't know why I never tapped in earlier. But even when I got started as an artist, um, I was only just producing for keys and stuff. And I found myself having to rely on other musicians for different parts like bass or uh, drums or guitar. And when I started producing seriously in 2018, um, before that, I hadn't really worked on any music. I just went through a drought where I just couldn't write. And I was thinking about just everything in my life and my musical journey. And I thought to myself, wait a second, I play all these instruments. What am I doing? Why am I relying on other people to do other parts for me? Because I felt like it was kind of stifling my growth and also I wasn't able to put out music as frequently because I wasn't tapping into my multi-instrumentalist hat. And uh, one day I was in my studio in 2018 over the summer and I was using GarageBand at the time. And I saw a little loop button and I've never seen that loop button. I never paid attention to it for as long as I had my MacBook. Hmm, what does this and button day, do? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was like, what does That's this right. button do? So I opened it and I seen all of these like beats and stuff. And I was like, what? This has been here the whole time. And I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on a, uh, a shopping spree and tried to uh, experiment with a lot of these beats. And what I did was I would find a couple of beats in different genres and I would chop them up and create my own beats. So I'd mix like hip hop with electronic or I'd mix uh, R&B with house beats. And then I would throw keys over it and then I would add like strings and bass because I play key bass, even though it's not the real bass guitar, I can play a mean key bass. Yep, so I'd yep, throw bass, yep. bass in there and I created this a couple of songs and I was like, oh, this sounds good. And I sat on that song and never released it until last year during the pandemic. Uh, it was called In Rotation. It's the first song I released that I fully produced myself. Nice. And I felt really good about it because I was like, wow, I don't have to rely on anybody else anymore. I can do everything. So I really took hold to that. And from 2018 until present day, every single song that I've released since 2019, end of 2019, going into 2020 and this year, I've produced myself. And that's where I saw the difference in um, just the numbers on the streaming platforms because mm. I could barely pull um, 200 streams on one song at one point to now actually taking the leap of faith and actually believing in my multi-instrumentalist hat not just relying on just the keys but actually tapping into my other talents i was able to create music and develop as a producer still learning stuff 
um, and, you know, listening to other producers out there and um, listening to other music that I, I like to listen to where, oh, and an engineer switch because I switched engineers during that time right. as well, too. Right. where my music just elevated and those 200 streams turned into my first song that hit 1,000 streams to present day where I have a song with almost 20,000 streams. Nice. Ooh, that's yeah. so good. I'm, cu- I'm curious about like your influences because that's really cool to, like I love mashing genres and, and you know trying new things and fusing things together. Um, do you have any musical influences that sort of help assist through that or are you just experimenting and seeing where things go or maybe both well you're right i do both um i have four major musical influences throughout my life um first which is robert glasper which apparently i've been compared to a lot oh i love him so Uh, much which is which is an honor yes black radio is the first the first one that's my favorite favorite so good um him i found out about robert glasper in my third year of university i have a friend uh, his name is Thomas Francis um, that I went to school with and he introduced me to Robert Glasper. He said, Desiree, you would like this artist. You should check him out. So I spent the summer studying him, listening to his stuff, ended up learning one of his songs um, and I recorded it it's somewhere. I have to pull it up. Um, and one thing that I got from him was just his unique mind, his unique way of creating his music. That really attracted me. And one of the things I had said Uh, before I entered the music scene was I wanted to sound different. I didn't want to sound like every other keyboard player who plays in church. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't want to sound like every keyboard player coming out of these jazz institutions. I didn't want to sound like a Humber College jazz musician. I I was just going to say that. I was just, yeah, I was just going to say that. Exactly. (laughs) Careful now. Careful. (laughs) No, 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 it's fine. But like, yeah, Yeah, she gets it. She gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just didn't want to sound like everybody else. So I spent so many years um, just developing my sound and listening to my musical influence. Robert Glasper, Alicia Keys. Uh, she. I grew up with her in high school. I played her music all the time. When you she said you grew up with somebody. her, I mean, did you you went to school <laughs> with her or you listened to her stuff while you Come were? On, I grew. Up. I mean, <laughs> I'm just I just to clarify because. Because people will think that you're insinuating that you were best buds, right? I would have loved to grow up with her, but no. What I mean is I grew up with her music. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, and listened to her a lot. Um, okay, Drew, I so we're not having downloaded. her on the podcast. She's she's. We don't have a connection there. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Right, go ahead. I go wish. Ahead. Yeah. I wish. Um, I would download all her sheet music and learn all of her songs and everything. And But the one thing about her was she made me believe that it was possible to make it in the industry as a black woman instrumentalist. And that's what I took from it. Even though she sings, uh, and I get asked all the time, Desiree, do you sing? Desiree, do you sing? Uh, To the point where I kind of make it, I kind of take it as an offense because um, growing up, and especially in the church, um, you don't see a lot of female musicians in bands. Every Mm. church I've gone to is always males, male dominated, right? So, Mm. and all the females were behind a mic. So, That I was trying to move away from, you know, females only being allowed, being allowed to sing or only being a vocalist. And I said, no, I'm an instrumentalist. Not every female you meet sings. So I was trying to get people to like think, rethink the way that they see females in the music industry. We're not just singers out here. We can play instruments. So um, Alicia Keys was somebody 
that I look to as somebody who looks like me, who's black, right? Who's thriving in the industry, who's doing really well for herself. And I'm like, I want to be able to do well. I want to see more representation, positive representation of black women in the industry. I want to see more black women who play instruments. Um, I obviously decided to go this route because I never saw myself represented in the industry. I never, I haven't seen a black woman who exclusively plays instrumental music. So I said, okay, let me try to be the first one in Canada to do it. I don't know if there's anybody else. I don't know. But I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard, I hadn't have heard of it. So I go that route. Um, Oscar Peterson, obviously, because I have the jazz influence oh, uh, yeah. with him. Um, he has huge hands. And it's <laughs> funny. Uh, when people ask me what I do and I tell them I'm a piano player and I'm a musician. They look they at your hands, me. right? They look at my hands yeah. and they said, well, you have pretty small hands. How are you a piano player? So I said, well, I didn't know you had to have a specific size hand to play the piano. I thought anybody could play. That's right. Right. So right. and with Oscar Peterson, because he has big hands, I was very fond of his stretches. So those major 11 stretches, major 13 stretches. I was like, I want to be able to do that. So I worked at it for many years to the point where I can now stretch 12 keys on the piano in one hand. Wow. And if you notice in some of my videos, I stretch a lot and people notice and they're like, how are you doing that? Your hands are so small. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And then who's last? Chopin. Of course, classical influence. Oh, of course. But the thing about Chopin is the way he built his chords. And that fascinated me. Like he'd come up with these amazing like chord structures with like six, seven, eight notes. I'm like, I want to do that. So I took that all of those elements, one element from each um, artist, put it in my magical pot, put myself in there and just what I want it to be. And that's how you get Desiree D and my style. And I like to fuse. I don't like to stick to one genre of music. I like to put all of my uh, influences. So classical, jazz, gospel, R&B, hip hop, electronic, house, whatever I could come up with. Um, I like to fuse everything of course you'll still hear the jazz influences and the classical influences because i grew up and i studied that but i like to fuse my music i don't want there to be like a classification of genre when it comes to me because i do everything so i wouldn't really give myself like a genre classification because i do all genres i play all genres so i just call myself a fusion artist you know it's funny you mentioned about the unique chord structures and uh, i went to this church many years ago where the uh the this brilliant keyboardist um but he he played the organ uh it was a hammond and uh, he was he was a brilliant player still is um and he would come up with these these awesome chords during just a regular song that you're singing in church. And um, I got so used to it that if I visited another church or whatever, and I would hear the song, I would think they were playing it wrong. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they're playing, right. they're not playing the right, right. notes, right? Because I got so <laughs> yeah. used to his creativity and the notes that he would throw in there. And it just made it so unique and, and you know, a way yeah. of doing the song that literally when you went to visit another church and you hear them sing that song, it's like, uh, no, they're, they're, they're singing it wrong. They're playing it wrong. <laughs> it was so funny. So funny. And I like that. I like when you can get creative with chords and, and play something different. A lot of times, especially with CCM music, uh, Christian 
uh, music you hear on the radio as an example and then right. you will you know especially now with a lot of online services and stuff you will you will see the churches and they will play it exactly the way it sounds like in the radio yeah. they're they're playing all the same they you know they've got all the lead sheets and all the notes and they're playing it the way it's um written. originally written yeah get creative and make it sound exactly. different you know it it sounds amazing exactly. when you can get creative like that it really does yep yeah yep. i used to be a part of a, of a of a of a church community where um I would think, okay, here, here are the songs, but we're going to do it in the style of Radiohead. Right. And we would take, and we would take like a, we would say three weeks out. So we know, we know, so that way we can actually like properly arrange it, make it cool, make the loops if we need loops. If we, you know, if we need a, a couple of string parts, we can do that. And we would actually arrange it in the style of, and it just made us like shake off the shackles of trying to mimic the original version. Yeah. Till and then after a while, we stopped. We just like oh, we would naturally just try to express the music in a way that sort of just felt good in the moment. Um, yep. Like like a jazz mindset, but none of them were jazz musicians. So, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, but it was so freeing for for the musicians and for me as a leader because I'm like I don't want to play this song in the style of Chris Tomlin. I'm not Chris Tomlin. You know, I mean I'm, that's mm-hmm. not who I am. I don't want to sound like him. I want to sound like fresh. Exactly. I want to sound like us as, as a church, mm-hmm. as a community, as musicians. And so just finding ways to sort of sneak in opportunities to, to be creative and be free and, but also give them time to ease into that. So I'm not like forcing them to <laughs> jump into this mold yeah. so fast. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Desiree, you mentioned uh, earlier about the, uh, you called it a drought in, in your music ability as mm-hmm. far as writing and, and whatnot. Can you get into that a little bit for us? Yeah, so in 2018, I had a rough year that year, just going through like personal stuff in my life, and I just couldn't write. And that was very frustrating because as somebody who is constantly on the go, constantly creating, um, being in a drought for almost nine months of that year was very rough, but I think it just accounted to the personal struggles that I was going through at the time. Um, I just didn't want to write. I mean, I still had to work, obviously, still had to teach my students and stuff, but just personally in my artist journey, just couldn't write, couldn't write, didn't have any inspiration, didn't care. Um, I think at that point I was in the mindset of, I don't want to do this anymore. And, uh, the reason for that was, I guess I wasn't getting the support that I would have hoped to get, um, you know, this Toronto industry is interesting. Um, people aren't as supportive as you would hope they would be, um, especially when you're going in a different direction that they're not used to. Um, I chose not to go with the crowd. Um, I chose to go against the grain. I chose to um, go the road less traveled. And of course, the road less travel has its difficulties and obstacles. Um, and I can thank God for keeping me on that path because I was determined to make something of it regardless of what direction other people were going in. Um, but at that time, I just wasn't getting the support that I wanted and I wanted to give up because like I was trying to figure out like I, where do I need to go next? I didn't know where I wanted to go next. Um, I was just kind of creating music, but it was more like on a live scene. So like live instruments in my music, but I'm like, there has to be more to this. 
there has to be more that I can do as an artist. And for some reason, in the first nine months of 2018, I couldn't couldn't figure it out. And I tried to write, couldn't do it. Um, anything I came up with, I was just like, no, I don't like this. Um, but it took a lot of prayer, <laughs> a lot of encouragement from uh, my then manager um, at the time. Um, and just trying to stay afloat, trying to stay inspired. Um, I spent a lot of time listening to music outside of gospel and jazz because I guess that's what I've been used to and accustomed to my entire life. So I was like, I'm going to have to probably go outside of what I'm used to to elevate myself and elevate my music. So I went outside of what I'm used to. So listening to more to R&B, more to all these different genres that they have out these days because apparently there's like a new era of genres. Um, and then also that was the time that I tapped in to started to tap into my multi-instrumentalist hat so having to realize that i had to somehow tap gifts that i have because i had to think of myself as more than just a piano player um i had to you know elevate as a producer so can't just produce piano anymore desiree you gotta tap into your other gifts because we know you have other gifts out there uh so that was kind of that drought that i went through and coming to some realizations about myself personally um, and musically. So I guess the, a drought for you was an opportunity to, uh, I guess, get into things that you wouldn't necessarily, I mean, I'm trying to look at the positive aspect of this, right? So a drought yeah. was that you couldn't write music, but the positive part of that was you were able to explore other areas that you maybe had not considered, whether it be mm -hmm. musical styles or like the, you know, the engineering side of things. Um, mm -hmm. Would would you, I mean, looking back now, would you have done that the same way if it weren't for the drought? Probably not. Um I'd probably still continue doing what I was doing and I'm grateful for the drought in a way because I think it was kind of a, the turning point in my sound because back then I wasn't late I didn't label myself as a fusion artist that title didn't come until after the drought so um, I was still in the jazz gospel pocket so I think had I not gone through that drought I don't think I'd have the fusion title um, attached uh, the ability to create outside of or maybe I would have, but I probably would have realized it maybe later on in my journey and not almost two years into it right. or four years into it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those droughts can be both crippling, but also very healing sometimes too, as we sort of come out on the other side of that. You know nothing and about droughts, Drew. Come on. I know come nothing on. about droughts whatsoever. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, such a weird thing and such a weird like wilderness place to kind of be in um, in the moment. But sometimes, not for, not for everybody, but sometimes on the other side, there's so much growth and learning that happens. I'm curious about like what life can look like for you um, like post-lockdown. So... Um, like, have you ventured into, and forgive my ignorance, but have you ventured into um, doing the, 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 the jazz festivals here in Toronto or in Montreal or in the States or overseas? Is that something that you have done before? And if so, um, or if not, is touring at all in your, in your um, headspace? Like, what does it look like post-lockdown? What do you guys, what do you think you're going to be up to? So I've applied to some of these jazz festivals in the past. I haven't gotten through, but I'm like, okay, maybe that's not, maybe that's not where I'm supposed to be. I've always seen, seen it as that. Maybe 
or it could just be a timing thing. I mean, I operate on timing. So sometimes maybe um, applying for some of these jazz festivals when I do it could be not the right time. Maybe it could be something that happens later on in life. Um, But I definitely do want to um, reapply and see if I get through this time. Touring is definitely on my list uh, and something that I've been wanting to do for quite a while now, Um, especially since my my catalog is pretty extensive as of right now. Um, And I'm still releasing music this year. I still have a lot more music to come out. Um, But I'm hoping that, you know, COVID-19 goes away and allows us to get back on the road and um, travel and share my music in different countries because I would love to do that. Um, Also, as a woman musician, I want to, you know, kind of create opportunities for other women, uh, whether that's through Mm -hmm. workshops and um, workshopping some stuff and connecting with other women uh, musicians in different countries. That's something I really want to do and want to be able to do aside from you know sharing my music with that part of the world because according to my stats that part of the world likes my music a lot (laughs) so um i'm hoping to travel and get out there sooner than later um but that's definitely something that i'm looking forward to especially now that i spent the whole quarantine writing music i wrote 100 plus songs last year so um yeah, I had time. <laughs> <laughs> I had the time to do it. And I released a few of them so far and there's more coming. And, you know, people have told me, oh, you haven't released enough music. I said, what are you talking about? I've been releasing music since 2014. What are you saying? Whole catalog is there. But I guess like with me, um, I wanted it to be on a more consistent basis, not like once every four months I'm releasing something. So this year I was very uh, adamant about dropping at least one song every single month. So I've been doing that since February. I have three songs out right now that are doing really well. I have another song dropping um, called Triumph. And uh, it's definitely a song for the time. Um, and just a song that reminds people to remember the victor- victories that they overcame, even yeah. in the midst of the pandemic. I've been blessed. Um, and I can't explain it sometimes because a lot of my success has happened during the pandemic, which is very hard to believe at times. Uh, <laughs> but I've tried to, you know, kind of shift my music in that way where it shows people like it's still possible to be successful even though we're going through devastating and challenging times people might think it's weird like how are you still being blessed and people are dying every single day and you know we're losing people left right and center and I said well I mean I can't control I have control over the pandemic but at the same time I think God wants us to still be successful and God still wants to bless us even though we're going through difficult times Um, So this particular song is just a reminder of the victories that we've overcome in life, um, Mm -hmm. victories that we've been triumphant over um, and even celebrating those wins in life. Not just the big ones, but a lot of people fail to celebrate the smaller wins because they're not they don't think it's as significant as the bigger wins. And I'm somebody who I like to celebrate everything every little win even if it's oh my god i hit a thousand streams on spotify that's big for me that might not be significant to somebody else who probably has a hundred thousand or a million streams but to me that's right, that's a right. win that i'm gonna celebrate because i've never done it before right so i want people to celebrate those small wins even getting out of bed 
being alive every oh single my gosh, day. Yes, That's a win yes, in yes. life, especially even now during COVID-19 where people are dying every single day. The fact that you're able to get up every morning, that's a win in itself. Like you're still able to fulfill your purpose every single day because God is allowing you to see another day. It's so a it's a win a, for me. A it's a win for me yeah. when I get a nap on the af- in a Saturday <laughs> or Sunday afternoon. That that's a win for me. Sorry, I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. That's okay, and that's a small win you get because no, no, that's a big win. Game, that's a big can. win for me. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes when you want to take a nap and you're you're not able to take a nap and you finally get to take a nap, that's something to celebrate. Absolutely, there it is. But I just want people uh, I, to look beyond celebrating the big things but celebrate the small things too because they're just as significant as the bigger wins and sometimes the smaller wins have more influence than the bigger wins yeah i think like every win matters we can't just ignore you know the small ones because we're always looking for the big ones you're totally right it's it's what keeps us going it's what it's like i can't remember who said this but like they uh, there's this dude who always talks about how like um try and if you the small things that you you accomplish in your day will fuel the fire for the next big accomplishment um mm-hmm. and i think that's so true if you can just accomplish these small things through the day the big ones will just come more naturally and even going back to what you're saying in terms of like um like festivals and touring and stuff like that i think what you do, what you bring to the table as a um, as a black female fusion artist is so needed in this sphere. Like I, like I'm a fusion. Like I love jazz. I'm a, I'm a big jazz head. And I love the fusion stuff. I love what you know. Yeah, like what Snarky Puppy's up to. You know, and, and it's like I love all these really cool bands who are doing something cool. But yeah, I don't see a whole lot of females in that genre. Yeah, I'm not saying there's none. I'm just saying I don't see a whole lot of them, and specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, black, especially in Canada, especially in Canada, I don't see a lot. So, what you bring to the table is so fresh and so new. And so, I'm one, no, well, not, I mean, not fresh, you know what I mean, like fresh and new, but at least with um, a spin that is based within, um, you know, black and female and um, fusion. That's so cool and needed in these festivals. And I'm also like thinking about having these, these incredible artists like yourself be seen and heard in these spaces is so inspiring mm-hmm. to others mm-hmm. um yeah um I, when i was a kid i was looking for like where the where, where my where 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 are my people in in the rock world because there was not much hendrix but he, he was dead <laughs> you know and then eventually kravitz yeah. came around and that was cool um still not a lot a few bands but still not a lot right it was a very very small handful i'm like oh wow um and so it's so important it's but it's really not the representation is so important and i want to see more of that specifically in the jazz world mm-hmm. it's always seen to be in, and um everybody's welcome and everybody can be affirmed and um but yeah yeah like i don't see a whole lot of artists like yourself so i think it's really cool i really hope that you know as things open up as the festivals you know sort of kick off um that we can see you or other artists like you um, on these stages and on these platforms we need that i need that my heart needs that my daughter needs that yeah yeah and that's the thing i want to appeal to the younger generations as well too yeah. so those uh, black women or even any woman of any race um, yeah that's right because i want to appeal to everybody um i want them to see that it's possible to do this um it's possible to be a woman in the industry and pl- exclusively play instrumental music because uh, don't get me wrong. I love the vocalists. I love the rappers. 
but I tell people all the time that instrumental music is on the come up. Don't sleep mm. on us. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Come on. Don't do it. We're coming up and we're going to make a name for ourselves, whether people want to hear us or not. We're come on. It. So that's so I, I always tell people, I'm like, give instrumentalists a chance. Give us yeah. a chance. I find like people are so close minded and stuck in their oh, we're going to stick to, you know, vocals. There has to be vocals and music. There has ah. to be lyrics. I'm like, no, there does not need to be. You don't, people don't understand and they fail to understand that music is so powerful without words. If That's you right. just give it a chance, you'll understand where we're coming from. So, totally and right. I think that it's so needed. Like I have people all the time, like even, uh, I have a friend who does yoga a lot and she's like, I'm always looking for like music, instrumental music to like help me get through my day and stuff. So I would send her some of my stuff. So there's people out there who need that. So it's not just that. I mean, I get people have a story with their lyrics and whatnot. But even me, my story and um, just how I feel, my mood, I put into every single note of the music. And I want people to feel what I'm feeling. I also have an instrumental project. um, Very, very, um, not not fusion, but it's a sort of neoclassical meets sort of ambient and uh, mm. and, and, I, and I feel that like it's like people um, like and I'm also a singer songwriter. So I have like both and happening at the same time. But with the instrumental yeah. project, I'm like, I, I want to create stories and I want to create that sense of movement and um, that sense of like vibe without the lyric. There's still melody. Mm. There's still rhythm. It's actually going to be harder to do that. Then then come up with lyrics, right? Because if you want people to feel that in your music and and understand it, 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 yeah, it would definitely be harder to do that. Right? Yeah. And so, like, I get a lot of like yoga studios like using my music and saying, "Hey, can we can we use this? Can we play this? Can we?" I think people need that, and for meditation purposes, and for you know prayer purposes. For I have um, this this guy who uh, he's like he's a big hiker. That's this big thing on social media, and he's always listening to my music and socials. I mean, when he's hiking, I think there's something powerful about instrumental music that uh, I don't want people to miss. I don't want people to sort of ignore because. Just because it doesn't have words doesn't mean it can't tell a story. It doesn't mean it can't um, exactly. be in your story. It doesn't mean that it can't be emotive and beautiful and, 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 and heartwarming. I think it's very, very important mm-hmm. for people. What a an amazing conversation. Um, learning about you, Desiree, and uh, uh, just hearing where your heart is when it comes to your music, but also the music industry. You know, you mentioned mm-hmm. about the Toronto scene um, how it was difficult to connect and stuff. And, and I've heard stories like that. Uh, and then I've seen the flip side of like people in Nashville where it's, it's you know, the city revolves around music and everybody is mm-hmm. somehow related to music. And so it's the, the two dynamics there. And yet we've got so much talent in Toronto and in other cities in, in Canada and other cities in, in the United States, for that matter. Um, there's no reason why, you know, somebody who's very talented, such as you are, can't be making a name for themselves and not be living in Nashville, right? And how many artists, Drew, have we spoken with that aren't in Nashville, right? Many from Nashville, because that's where a lot of the music scene happens. But we've spoken with people in California and across Canada and, right. and in England and... Um, other countries, you know, and, and it's that's I enjoy those conversations because you can hear it from their perspective, not just a bunch of people that are kind of living the, the, the music dream in Nashville because it doesn't have to be the music dream in Nashville, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think for Toronto, um, I've always, and people say this all the time, Toronto is so saturated with talent, but our support is terrible, which is very true. <laughs> ask anybody. Yeah. I'm just being honest. You get honesty for me. But I think for me, I've always been that person that I want to pave the way here before I go somewhere else. Right. And I can't tell you the amount of friends that I know who have been like, forget Toronto. I'm going to California. Forget Toronto. I'm going to Nashville. Forget Toronto. I'm going to Atlanta. Um, And I think for them, it's like, well, I'm not getting the support that I want. And I had to kind of think beyond support at times. Like, yeah, support is nice. But for where I'm trying to where I'm trying to go and what I'm trying to show and what I'm trying to encourage and inspire people, sometimes you have to go beyond support um, in order to achieve where you want to go. Um, I try not to rely too much on support anymore because then I just find that it's very detouring and it's very depressing. Like I don't want mm. to always be thinking about, oh, I'm not getting support, so I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm all about building my city, even though, you know, some of us are very, you know, difficult to uh, impress in terms of music and stuff. But I know <laughs> that there's so much work. There's so much work to be done here. And right. if we keep leaving, we're never going to become better. So imagine right. all those people that left Toronto and if we all worked together to make the scene better, how much more better Toronto would be. But because everybody mm-hmm. wants to leave because support is what they're thriving and craving for and they're not getting it. But imagine if everybody that left came back and were like, listen, let's make Toronto great. What do we yeah. need to do as a collective to make this city like the place to be, the place where people can be supported when they start music? How can we do that? But if everybody keeps leaving, we can't do that. So I'm one of those ones where I've stayed and I'm trying to you know, pave this way for other women musicians who are coming up after me and saying it's possible. It's possible to do this. Now, if the Lord says, Desiree, I want you to go to the UK. Okay, I'll go, but it's not time for me to go yet because there's more work right. to be done here. Yeah, with technology, I mean, anything's possible right. now. And we've seen that yeah. over the last year or so with technology. People have yeah. been stuck at home and so they've made it happen and they didn't have to go elsewhere to to hone their mm-hmm. craft and to write music right. and to record music and everything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. That's right. Desiree, thanks so much for hanging with us on Between the Grooves. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Wow, so much covered in that conversation. Uh, I was really happy that we talked about kind of the foundation side of things when we talked about the piano. Yes. Getting that yes. theory, getting that, uh, you know, the the routine, I suppose, as far as music, music is concerned. Because when you take lessons, it's not just you show up for half an hour for your lesson. It's also, no, you have to practice every day, whether it's scales right you know theory type yeah. stuff um so it's it's a great learning process and requires that focus it really does make you think and uh if that's what is required to get you into the music business as far as you know appreciating music wanting to create music wanting to write music and stuff uh, and and being the foundational instrument if you want to call it that besides the recorder <laughs> you know whether <laughs> you right. you know get into guitar or a wind instrument or whatever else after the fact um i it's awesome i mean that's how a lot of people in the music business started whether they were singing in church or 
you know, learning to play the piano, which seems to be a very, you know, common denominator as far as that's concerned. And then, you know, hearing the musical instruments that she plays, she's pretty versed in many, many instruments. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She is. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the the local jazz scene. I I'm that guy who always tries to get down to the jazz festival whenever it happens. Yeah. I'm always seeing up the jazz clubs. I mean, when they're open. <laughs> right. Um, that's something I've always done all my life. Um, and so it's great to hear someone who's part of that scene, which I don't think we've ever done. We've never, you know, we've never talked to anybody from the jazz scene here in 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 Canada. I don't think so. I think having that kind of perspective and that kind of voice um, within that genre on our podcast for me is like as a jazz head that makes me so happy yeah i love this stuff i want to have more jazz artists on the show and i think um she just seems like an incredible artist i just followed her on every social media platform right i think uh what she what she's delivering is really really cool and i can't wait to hear more from her in the future yeah that was great. Uh, and yeah. even w- when we chatted about celebrating wins, I think that's really important for oh, so whether good. you're in music or not, just the small wins in life, whether it's just getting up in the morning because everybody goes through different things, different circumstances in their life, especially over the last year or so. So just getting up in the morning might be a win for you or my Saturday afternoon nap is a is a big win for me. It's a big win, bro. <laughs> it's a big win. And, you know, having awesome guests on this podcast, I think, is a win uh, generally speaking, I, I I really appreciate and enjoy the different conversations that we have on this show. Look for her at Desiree D Music Official on your socials. Give her a follow and just uh, keep an eye on what she's up to. She's uh, extremely talented and uh, you'll want to keep in touch with her. It is time now for Artist Advice. And this week we hear from Lucas and Evelyn Cortazio. One piece of advice mm. Um Know who you are, uh, and 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 know what you're called to do, and and don't and and don't go away from that ever. And, and stay a learner. Yeah, for me, what resonates the most is stay a learner. Like it's so important. We I mean, we just talked about that. It's so important to be so connected to like teaching yourself new stuff, learning new stuff, researching new stuff, listening to new stuff, growing, always be growing, always be a learner. It's so key. Kind of sums up a lot of what we've been talking about in this week's episode yeah, between the grooves. Yeah, totally. For sure. Great advice from Lucas and Evelyn Cortazio. And thank you so much to Desiree D for joining us on episode 200 of Between the Grooves. And that is it for today's show. Wow. Yeah, we are out of time. Okay. We are out of time. Thank you so much for hanging with us. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We have new episodes dropping every Monday. So make sure you subscribe. Leave us a rating. Even if you comment or leave us a review, that just helps us reach more people as well. And join the Between the Grooves community by hanging out with us on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us there at Between Grooves like follow share all that kind of good stuff let other people know that you're listening that you're enjoying the podcast spread the word across the world am i right jk absolutely and you know there's there's another thing you can do too if if there's an episode you enjoyed or an episode you missed you can listen back on older episodes of between the grooves that's true they're all there for you folks hours and hours of listening pleasure on between the grooves (laughs) 